thank you, um, first of all. Thank you, Tony, and your crew for inviting me. Thank you for bringing me on here. I do not take this lightly. Um, so my name is Anne Adifuye, or um, that's my official name. Unofficially, I am Anita. And uh, yes, people at work call me Anne because that's what's on my official stuff. There's a story behind that, but that's for another day. Um, so currently I work as a prospect development specialist with the government of Saskatchewan in Canada. I live in Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, I'm married, I have two kids, six and four. And for my day job, well, I'm a public servant. Thank you, nice to meet you. Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, depending on your time zone. Uh, so for my day job as a government official, I, um, the best way I like to uh, describe the position is to use a banking job. And I say I'm kind of like the salesperson in the bank who tries to get clients. Only in my instance, I get clients who, my client, the people I'm trying to get are investors who come and invest within the province. And so last year, um, our last year goal was to bring a billion dollar investment into the province. And um, by the end of the fiscal year, we um, actually hit 1.2 billion. So, which oh. is amazing just to see that you're a part of something that big. Um, so it's amazing. And even within this COVID season, some of the companies that, you know, I had done some research on and kind of matched their criteria to our economic needs. Um, we, we signed investments um, agreements with some of them um, very recently during this COVID season, um, which is pretty amazing, you know, to have um, in this time. No one, tell, no one mentions your name because you're this public servant, but, yeah. you know, just knowing that you were the silent contributor or you're, or you're a member of that group in itself is really, really amazing. I love the job that I do. Um, so that's my, that's my day job in a summary. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So in the context of this conversation, you can see her as the money woman, right? She understands the way opportunities um, are evaluated and how capital can flow towards opportunity. And that brings us into the first section of the, of, of the segment. Now talking about opportunity, um, how was, how was being an undergraduate like, um, you know, how was, how was your life as an undergraduate? Let's start from there. Okay, so my life as an, as an undergraduate was really interesting. Um, so I actually attended a Bafemi Avalo University. Um, Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so shot. <laughs> um, and um, I studied international relations. Uh, my bachelor's is in international relations. Um, and my matriculation number actually says 2003, but I actually really started school in 2004. Um, if you know anything about the OU history, there's always been issues with strike and all of that. Now, I know on the surface, it looks like a bad thing, but I'll mm. tell you why it's not in a bit here. And um, so I started in 2004 and I finished in 2008. So I spent precisely four years. So I never got trapped in the whole strike delays you you know, time in school process. And um, I remember my first week. <laughs> so interestingly, um, a story about a girl who is making a case against the school for not getting admission into medicine 
apparently I stumbled into that story just yesterday. And I remember commenting on the OU alumni group and saying that girl's story was pretty much my story. Um, mm. I had gained admission. The only difference was I actually made top of the list. Unlike her case where the provost says she was 103 and they needed just 100 people. Now, I wasn't taken because A, there was nobody to go and push for me. And B, because they thought I was a nobody, kind of just threw me off the list. And B, I'm from the South. I'm actually from River State, uh, married to a Yoruba person. And I'm from the South. And part of it was also related to that. So there was some hint of tribalism in that whole saga. What they did not know <laughs> was that I come from a family of fighters. We don't take things like that very lightly. And so my dad had um, called up his lawyer to give the school a call and tell them, if I don't get what's due to me, they're going to get it really bad. The saving grace. Wow. And so, um, yes, that was the saving grace. My dad threatened to sue the school. The lawyer sent a letter and voila, my name reappeared somewhere. You know, and when I got into school, it kind of made me popular in a not so nice way because now everybody knew this one person and my name was kind of really unique, you know? So it was easy to single me out and everywhere I went, I kept hearing things like, oh, you are that person, you know, a more Ibo that wants to come and take all our children's slots, you know, and, and that kind of, and that was the experience that I started with, you know, mm. but like I said, I come from a family of fighters. The fighter in me refused to you know, let that be how I would, like every time I walked in somewhere and they try to, you know, um, they try to bully me into something that I wasn't comfortable with, I spoke up. I said mm. my mind, I said my peace. Sometimes it meant they told me get out of the office. It meant mm. they were delaying my processes, but I didn't care because I didn't want to be that person who refused to fight for what I believed in. It's mm. not how I was brought up. So I went in at this point, shortly after I gained the admission, my dad passed. So I knew mm. there was no daddy to fight my battles anymore. It was up to me to fight my battles. So, and that kind of synced very well with the OU fighting spirit as well, which is why I said those strikes might look like a bad thing on the surface, but it's not. Because mm. as at this point, like I mentioned, my dad had passed and there were concerns with funding for my education. He bothered, not because he didn't make investments, but we all know how the Nigerian system works where a man dies, family steps in and swoops everything. Well, to be honest, there was a commitment from my family to, you know, continue paying for my education. It didn't come as seamless as it would have been if my dad was there. You know, and um, by, you know, by, by virtue of that very process, <laughs> I'm actually laughing, I should hide the comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, by virtue of that, you know, I, I knew that, uh, any increment in school fees was not in my favor. And at this time, the school wanted to increase fees. But then the student union was really fighting against it. So as a mm. fresh jambite, I joined in that fight. I carried my <laughs> placard. I wow. did everything. If I'm not doing my registration, you're seeing me in the fighting place. You know, mm. and I joined in that fight. And that kind of set in stone for me what my movement experience within university was going to be. Now, add to that, what I've always heard people say is don't just go through school. Let the school go through you, right? Mm -hmm. And my extended family wanted me to just be that nice girl who just went to school and did her bead and just came out of school. And then they were like, you know, you know, you don't have your dad anymore. So just go to school, hide your head. That's not me. Sorry. <laughs> I just could not help it. All right. And if I see a cause and I believe in it and I see 
already to fight. For me, here's the thing. If I'm not leading that fight, the least I expect from everybody else is if you see someone who is willing to take that fight and be responsible for it, the least you can do is join hands with them. Mm. And because we all did that, there were tear gases thrown at us, school shut down for a while. But because we did that, I paid that same amount of school fees that I that I that they were fighting for all through my four years of school. Wow. Right? Now, maybe call me selfish, there was some personal, you know, um, needs attached to it. But I wasn't I wasn't I went from being to have it all keyed to being a child who barely had anything, right? And mm. I just had the basics. And so I knew that I needed to have that fight, not just for me, but for everyone who came after me. Now, but that being said, and, and with everything else in school, eventually I went on to serve in my department. I was vice president um, from my, in my final year. I joined a number of committees. I was in, on the editorial team. I was a Christian on campus, so I was very active at church as well. And, um, you know, but and eventually I finished with um, I don't know if that's really relevant, but um, I finished strong that way. <laughs> I finished mm. strong, you know, like. Nice. So, quite my four years. But basically, that's just kind of like my school life. My academics never suffered for anything. You know, I took them as serious as I could. Um, and, you know, I'll start kind of paint the picture of what my life on campus was like for for you guys wow that was whoa <laughs> that, that was really exciting to learn because you know it, it strongly resonates with why we are here right that until we begin to ask questions until we begin to actually put the effort to actually make our claims known nothing would move so you know we've already spent the first 15 minutes but you know you said some really interesting things that i i, I we still i still feel we could establish a connection with right how do you how do you actually how do you harness okay let me ask it like this how do we raise a generation of people who see the need to stay till they get what they want what are the special things that you think have valid you know yours is that you were you were built that way you know you were raised that way but how do we build a generation of people that are determined, committed, and steady fighting for change that needs to occur in their local communities and their communities at large. Okay, so let me start by saying this, right? Um, I know oftentimes in this generation, one of the buzzwords is innovation, right? But I just want to throw this out there and at some point I'll probably tie back to everything that I'm going to say. Innovation is, 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 is just problems evolve, right? Mm. And as problems evolve, solutions also have to evolve. That mm. is innovation. Because mm. today's problem, while you're seeking to solve today's problem, you have to find a way to learn to think beyond today and see, you have to step into the shoes of the problem and say, if I were this problem, what are the numerous ways that I can quickly evolve, right? And try to, you know, um, um, prefer solutions thinking forward. Now, that being said, sometimes that's, that's kind of like the starting point that we have to see. For me, when I joined that fight, and that's, that's one piece, is that we need to learn to realize that whatever issue today, it will never be the same issue as it were tomorrow. It will magnify, it will, it will evolve. 
if you don't develop a sense of of um, solution seeking, and I and I know that I haven't you know watched all of the videos of the series so far, but I've read the entire book um, that you sent to me, and I have you know looked at some of the other comments that people are making on LinkedIn and whatnot, and I know that not so much on solutions, but the truth is therein lies the answer. But the mm. only piece, the piece that I want to add on to that is that the problems would continue to evolve. The, the issue as when I got into OU, for instance, was things like the basics. You know, you cannot increase school fees, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. And we fought to make all of those things happen to what we wanted, to what we needed, right? And today, the problem, and it's in trying to solve today's problems as they are that I believe that we have this platform. Tomorrow, the problems will be different. As we continue to have that, you know, um, um, problem-solving mindset, and I, by, by the way, it's actually one of the top skills that employers are looking for today in the world, is that you have to have a problem-solving mindset, all right? That's one. And two, um, find a way to, you cannot fight for something that you if you're not relatable to the issue at hand, you won't be able to fight for it. So mm. find a way to, and, and what, that would, what that issue would be will be different for different people. For me, as at that time in the university, it was that, look, I don't have all the money in the world anymore. And mm. all fees goes beyond what, you know, my extended family can afford. Then I know that I might be in trouble, right? And so when there was a cause that would help me and not mm. just me, because now I could all of a sudden see everybody else in my, in my shoes and mm. say, you know what, not just for me, but for everybody else who maybe don't have the luxury of fighting, I will be that voice for them, mm. right? So when you find a way to make the problem relatable to you, it's mm. easier to, to make it your cause and fight for it. Mm. And part of it would also mean that sometimes that we're unselfish with ourselves too, because as mm. a whole in Nigeria, that has been one of our major problems. It's that, well, it doesn't bother me or any member of my immediate family, so I do not care. But mm. that shouldn't be. What we have is, because while it might seem like it doesn't bother you today, you don't know how it will bother your generation tomorrow. Mm. All right. So, and as long as we're all linked in that way and you can't tell what comes up tomorrow, you want to make sure that you are part of that solution at any phase of life. So two things mm. that I think I'll just point to that is, you know, um, be a problem solver, have a problem solving mindset and find a way to, to make the issue at, at hand relatable to you. That way it's easier to keep the fire burning. Wow. Brilliant, brilliant suggestions. Um, thank you so much for that. So let's jump right into the second segment, which deals with the discourse. Now, um, it, it's beautiful that we have you here today because you represent two different narratives about the same issue. So the Venture Matrix for the, for the Future of Africa talks about how do we create enabling environments that support um, um, the creation of value right right from that stage of our experiences in life and the beauty about that that um, concept also that that also happens to be part of our formative years you know our 20s right now why i needed to mention this is right now you stay in canada you stay in a, in a province in canada right you were once here in nigeria so can you help us understand 
the contributing factors to the different realities that you are having or you have experienced that directly re relates to an enabling environment? Okay. Um, so, um, honestly, there is no way I will talk about that without um, throwing some shade at parents. I'm sorry. To awesome. all the parents out there, we love you. I'm a parent myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because the reality is that to a very large extent, it starts from there. Mm. Um, I always tell people that even though I lived and grew up in Nigeria, I feel like, and, and I don't mean this with, with everybody else that I, that I lived with, um, between the ages of 11 and 16, I lived with my father, were the only times that I actually lived with any, any, any of my parents. All right. And it was my dad that I lived with. And I feel like every, a lot of things that eventually formed me into the person that I am happened within that time frame. Well, at least the good lessons of life happen within that time frame. And he didn't exactly have your typical everyday Nigerian parenting style. He didn't. That really helped me in some sense. So I kind of like always was like the odd one out most times in many settings. Now, that being said, and which is why I say that to a very large extent, it's, it starts with the parenting. And I'll build it up to the government at the top. It starts with the parenting in that. I'll give you a very good instance. At a time when everybody felt, if you're not studying medicine, engineering, accounting, what else? Maybe at best, pharmacy, you're not studying anything. Or law, aha, that's the last one, right? Mm -hmm. um, everybody looked at me and thought, oh, it had to be medicine or law. Medicine, because we think you're brilliant. Law, because you like to talk and you like to argue and you make good points and blah, blah, blah. And, but it wasn't really my thing. <laughs> And I remember going to my dad and saying, okay, I, it's funny, I had to, I realized what I wanted to do with myself completely at the point when I was feeling my jam form. That mm. is unfair. Very, very unfair to any human being, you know, and the struggle was, yeah, I know everything says law, but there has to be something more. And that's how I ended up in international relations because I love history. I love politics. My mom was a politician, you know, and I, and I love all of that, right? That's something that sometimes you don't see a lot of Nigerian parents do for their kids. It breaks my heart every time I see an undergraduate struggling in a certain course and they're there not because they want it to be, but because their parents push them to be there. It's heartbreaking. So that's one piece where parents have to start waking up to the reality of how they are contributing to creating that enabling environment for people to, you know, for kids to be innovative, for kids to, 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 to be solution providers. And then as we begin to grow, there's a certain point to which you have to just stop blaming your parents and take ownership of your own life. Because at the end of the day, it is your future we're talking about. It is your life. For me personally, as far as leadership goes in Nigeria, I have given up. And which is why I'm enjoying this. Because I believe that, and I'm sorry, but I believe that, you know, at some point, we, the younger generation, have to take responsibility and begin to recreate from the roots what we want. And now is the planting season. May not even be here in this generation or the next generation to see all of the fruits of everything. But at least we will go knowing that we put the right things in place and that all things being equal, everything will grow and blossom to what we really want to see. And so 
when you now as a person come to a point where you tell yourself, and which is why I like um, your undergraduate life, is because for me, it was one place where against what my family said, oh, don't do this, don't do that. I mean, I meant no disrespect to them, but I realized that, look, there is the life that I want. And I see this moment as an opportunity to build on that life. So when they said, don't do politics in school, what else would I do? I don't play sports, right? And I can't just live the triangular life, school, church, uh, class, church, whatever, right? And so you have to now use this moment to begin to form yourself. And then the other thing is, as far as the undergraduate communities now go, which is where Jada Peace is and where the school leadership now comes in, is that, and I'll give you a very good example, because I did my master's here at the University of Regina, and every, and I did a, a master's in public administration. And every, every assignment that I ever did, every policy paper I wrote, every um, policy, uh, every research paper that I did was a true life case. It was a real case. Case studies are given to us to do, you know, and, and I remember one of my papers that I defended, I had um, an assistant deputy minister come in, had an executive director from the government come in, right? And so even long before I began to work with, in my learning, I am exposed to everything that I need to, you know, learn to be successful when I leave that school environment. And the same is true for not just uh, from when they start kindergarten. My daughter right now is going to be in grade two um, when school starts, which is what, like an equivalent of primary two or something like that, right? And from, from that age, certain things they teach them and how they teach them, you know, I'm like, if this was what school was like, I don't think a lot of people will complain in Nigeria about going to school, you know? And you to see how even from that tender age, there is, they emphasize on extracurricular activities. It's a big deal to gain an admission here. I mean, how can someone like that not know how to balance life and work when they come out of education because they've been trained from infancy for that experience? And not just that, in every department you go to, the things that students have to work on are tied to real life experiences. As of right now, the people who are making waves uh, breakthrough, Saskatchewan is actually one of the provinces that has, you know, uh, moved on to pre-testing uh, stage or pre-testing stage for COVID vaccine. And the people who are the frontier of these things are students, graduates, undergraduates. Um, oh. They're students from research, from, um, from, from the researches that they do, to the, you know, whatever, the solutions that they try to provide, not just for the local community, all right? And when it's tested within the local community, then it gets globalized. So even within the educational system, there is opportunity for students to evolve. There is opportunity for students to, you know, innovate. Because within that environment, it's a fail-safe fail system where if you fail, all that it requires is let's tweak this. What can we do better? Exactly. Right? And so, mm. you know, that is something that you don't see much in Nigerian universities where it's all about the theoretics and the books. And then you leave, then you start trying to figure out your life. And that's not, you know, that doesn't really help anybody because like you rightly mentioned in your book, um, Toyin, at that age, when you come out of school, guess what? In Nigeria, the expectation was for a graduate is start sending money home. You have a job, you don't have nobody cares. Start sending money home. You're done. We're done with you. We have put you through school. You do your bits, you know? And so 
someone who is not trying to just get by isn't going to, um, someone who is just trying to get by isn't going to start thinking at that point, so what problems are there that I can solve? No, in that freshness of our minds, it starts from, you know, um, it starts for them even long before university to begin to, 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 to be sincere with you. But let's say peradventure somehow within our secondary school system, we're not able to do that. When it gets to the university, that's where you as an individual will now say, okay, this is what my parents expect of me to the side. This is what the reality is. And this is what I see for my future. How then can I channel myself through the university of experience to begin to, you know, um, align myself for that future that I see? Your parents will be long gone and their realities and expectations of what would be when you are in that future, it would never match up. So at the end of the day, it still comes back to you as the individual. As for the government, I guess the only thing they really can do is empower the universities through proper financing and maintenance. But we all know what that is like right now. So I'll just, mm. I'll just leave that for there for now. Wow, this is really exciting. Um, you know, all of the things you've said, um, does, you know, the questions I had in my head posed for this segment has, has been answered, right? So let's jump right into the strategy oh, session, wow. right? Let's get practical. <laughs> yeah, let's get practical. This is really exciting. Thank you so much. So we, we, we have been able to identify that, number one, the things that contribute to an enabling environment are the systems outside the school, starting from the family system, then to the educational system itself, which is actually, you know, uh, 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 there's a gap between that and the real world. And then the government, the government of school and also the government, right, are not actively involved in that space. So what are the practical things that we can do as an undergraduate community to bridge that gap first off? Okay, so this is where I'll go back to the statement I made earlier about problems evolve and solutions have to evolve, right? Like I mentioned before, um, at the beginning, or at the time I got into university, what we were fighting for was different from what the experience is right now, right? And the problems have evolved. The solutions have to also evolve. Now, what we did at the time that I found out later when I started going deeper into, uh, into not politics, excuse me, as I started going into policy formulation and administration was that what we did at the time was we, we, we forced into existence a policy. Policy wow. is just simply, you know, yeah, we forced into existence a policy. Now, in, in my world of policy, when, you know, because I've, right now, even though the work that I do right now is more research-based, than policy-based. I've also worked in policy. I've worked in foreign policy. I worked with the Nigerian Minister of Foreign Affairs. Um, um, and that was my last year before I moved here. And even coming here, I worked in energy during my master's degree. And um, um, more recently, I did a six-month term on health, safety, and wellness policy as well. And so in that world of policy, and if you look at how policies are made, there's the ideation. Now, what do you think drives the ideation of policy? What drives the ideation of policy is simply, it can be anything from either the leadership, the government identifying a problem that they wanna solve, maybe from political manifestos that they have made, promises they have made, then they you know, um, formulate policies that they seek to implement from that. Or two, 
The media can make so much noise about something and set realities mm. for the public to the point that government has no choice but create policies to match what the media is trying to paint. Or three, mm. the people. You mm. as a people, as a person, you can make so much noise about something to the point that, you know, um, in the in the analogy of the unrighteous judge and the widow, you can make so much noise to the point where it's peace sake. Let me give these people what they want. And for us in mm. OU at the time when they wanted to increase school fees, that was what happened. But the only way at the time we mm. knew how was to fight. Because we had people like Deep Professional at their prime you know, exposed to us. And mm. we saw the things that it did, you know, and that's what we had to emulate. But now problems mm. have evolved. Now, if you try that with your sets of, with the sets of students that are in school these days, I actually call you guys like a butty undergraduates because you all don't know how to fight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like you guys don't have social media and hashtags. We prefer social media and hashtags. more than one way to fight. Right? There is more mm. than one way to fight. And sometimes the other way you mm. fight is to present to someone something that they cannot argue with. Pen to paper. It mm. is powerful. Mm. Pen to mm. which is why I keep saying to you, I don't know what that book is doing, still doing in your hands, like published. All right. Yesterday I attended I was in and out of the Leadership Guardian um, Summit, and it was wonderful. You know, I saw what Kemi Ogunkoya did with, with, with her book and the launching process. And for me, right? Um, so the more we have people who recently I was, I personally am an advocate for sexual abuse and women's rights. And um, I stumbled on um, Stand to End Rape's um, page where I think right now there, there's already conversations to propose certain bills in Nigeria to protect sexual harassment for people. And sometimes those are other ways that you can create those policies, right? Is that people who, again, it has to come down to someone willing to take ownership of that fight and say, you know what? I choose to make sure that I deal with this. You know, um, Dr. Ungo, um, not, no, not Conjure Weather. Is it Quisili? Um, she was at the summit yesterday, and I remember she said something. She said, at, any, every, at every point, someone has to be willing to say, you know what, as far as this segment goes, I am willing to take leadership and ownership and fight this cause. And the more we have people who are taking different pieces and fighting the causes of it, the more we'll find ourselves, you know, starting to evolve and change by bit. Now, it might take time because it's always harder when you're bottom to top. It's always easier when it's a leadership that is self-driven and visionary to want to bring about those changes. Sadly, it's not our reality. In our context, in our country, it's not. So all we need to do then is how can we drive this change from bottom to top? Because we can do that. Either we choose to, and either way, whichever we want to see it, we have to fight it. Either we're fighting it through violent means, which I do not condone and I would never encourage, or we're fighting it by putting pen to paper by people coming out to speak to things and people staying true to, 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 to that cause, however that seems. And being, you know, persistent and consistent enough to, you know, until things start to change. It's only a matter of time. 
you know, after a while, people would even start to get bored with, with, the, with the facade that we have called leadership. Matter of time, right? People will get bored with that process. People would actually get to the point where they'll be hungry for something different. That's what elected Obama into, into presidency. My opinion is that after a while, people got tired with the traditions, you know, with, with, with the traditionalists, right? And so they wanted something new, they wanted something fresh. And now I guess they're reminded of why they never wanted the traditionalists to begin with. But anyway, so one of the things that we really, really, really need to um, work at in terms of this is whatever area, whatever you find yourself doing something, or you find someone who's already, you know, flagging that, 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 that cause, by all means, please throw your weights behind them. It's one of the reasons why I don't know to from many, you know, and I saw this on LinkedIn just flying around and I'm like, huh, this is interesting. And so I read maybe one or two of the articles that he had written, and I'm like, why is nobody making noise about this? These are the kind of things people should make noise about. Mm. And I just thought to share, all right? And here we are today, you know, because while I know that I cannot, you know, I, as much as I love the undergraduate community, I right now am focused to other causes that won't let me fight this at the same time. Mm. But when I see someone who is willing to, makes sense that I throw my weight behind them in whatever way that I can. And no help is too small, all right? When you look at, um, um, I'm trying to think of an analogy to use, but if you, oh yeah, actually, my one time in my house, um, we went out and then there was this, there was, and it wasn't locked up properly. And so we kind of looked at the top. By the time we came back home, our house was flooded. Hmm. We spent maybe all day out of the house. What had happened was the little drops kept mm. adding up until mm. when we came home, change happened. <laughs> mm. Change had happened in our home, right? Mm. And, and which is why I say it might take time, but we have to stay consistent and persistent. Mandela, so it took 27 years. Mm. And if you look through history, no change. It's either the changes happen so radically that people lose lives or it happens, you know, in bits mm. over time. Mm. So we have to make that choice. And I can tell you, in my undergraduate years, we did the whole fighting thing. If you do it now with the current presidents we have, trust me, you guys are probably going to not just get more tanks rolling around your school. You're probably going to get much more. I don't know mm. that. Um, don't don't put me on that. But I don't know. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but uh, mm. the world has sort of moved a little beyond that. And right now mm. it's finding ways to put pen to paper. Well, and one more thing is sometimes you can innovate to a point on your own that the world doesn't have a choice, but, but. give you a seat at the table. Wow. Mm. Now, imagine people who have made groundbreaking discoveries mm. and somehow it gets out there. Now, the sad reality is that, again, back to the whole enabling community thing, mm. you may or may not have the opportunity to showcase that within the country. Maybe what will happen, as I've always happened, is the US or the UK will quickly lay claim to that person, take them away. They've done that with the ballet boy already. He's got scholarship, you know, mm. and then he's going to mm. go. They're going to get all the glory, mm. because, you know, and they're going to get all the glory for that, right? But the truth is this boy has presented something to the world to the world that nobody, people didn't have a choice. 
but to mm. give him a seat at mm. the table that is due to him. That is something that you can also do to you know, change the narrative. What are you going to bring that people will say, you know what, you deserve a seat, come right here. Okay, mm. so I'll leave it at that for now. Wow. I, I, I feel like I'm in church. <laughs> oh, woo! All right, thank you so much. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. All right. Um, wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm whew, flustered. Okay. Now, one more, one more uh, thing we need to quickly address in this strategy session before we move to the last session, uh, the forum, is you talked about the bottom top approach, right? Which means that we, there is, you know, you know, let's say, you know, all of, we, we take all of this gold that you have given to us, we finally create our own enabling environment. There would still always be the need to scale this bottom to top approach. That means we would always have to contact the same people that were built these systems independent of. So how do we actually facilitate, you know, those relationships? I mean, what is the practical way to go to facilitate relationships with not just our local stakeholders, but with the global stakeholders? Because, you know, um, during our back and forth conversations, I mean, outside of here, you have always asked if, um, you know, what I'm trying to do is to affect the local economy. And I always respond, yes. And then you say, oh, why not think globally? And my response most times is, if we do not affect the local, right, there would be no substance for us to prove ourselves at the global level so i love that you know you are not just based in nigeria or just working in nigeria so you work in both worlds how do we actually drive you know what's that one is there a one-way approach to driving this conversation with stakeholders locally and you know internationally i hope the question was not too long <laughs> no 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 no. it's okay and, and and here's the thing so if you recall i mentioned earlier that um like here in, in Canada, the experience that I have seen is, and you cited a very good example with Silicon Valley and Stanford University in your book. Um, the experience here is that the schools create a fail-safe system. Mm. It creates a fail-safe system for people. And a very good example, when I did, um, for me now, I'm not exactly in... Personally, I am not in business personally, right? I'm more of a government person and policy person. When I did my, um, it was a group project that we did in trying to solve. Um, so HIV um, issue among First Nations is a very big deal in, in my province, in this part of the world. And the project that my group and I had was to prefer solution to, um, to the issues that you know, occur within this province. And we had to present these issues to senior government officials. And they had to buy in to it. So we did every process that you will do across the whole chain of bringing something into an existing working policy. From the research to the ideation to how you're going to measure success to how you're going to evaluate to how you're going to monitor how you're going to execute who the stakeholders are you know we did all the works right and when we did all of the works you had to you know uh, we presented and then they give us feedback to say this is what you should have done this is why i as a minister i'm not going to take what you're saying seriously or this is why you know you're going to you know and for me it was it was really nice um 
I think my group, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I got to brag a little bit. My group was the only group that actually got a thumbs up to say, yep, I will take that, you know, and it was really exciting, right? But here's the thing. We still had things that we needed to work on, right? Now, moving away from that, what now happens is as you go through government and you're rising through the ranks, you have something that someone has given to you to say, this is a blueprint. As long as you're working within this blueprint, you should be good. Or these are ways that you can, you can do this or do that next time. So we have that fail safe system where within that school period, you're allowed to fail because if you fail, everybody can, it's almost forgivable that you're a student, you're in a learning process. But when you were done and then you're out there in the world, you're no longer learning. So it's not going to be as, it's not going to be as forgiving, you know, except because everybody else fails in life. And then, yes, we have all that aspire to aspire discussion that people like to do. You know, there is that, you know, but that's, so if you recall, I had, I had established that fact that, you know, there is that feel safe, um, there is that feel safe system. Now to, as far as scaling up is concerned, in anything you're doing, whether it's business policy or whatnot, you must have done, and by the way, I encourage everybody, um, and you can Google this, you know, um, in anything you're doing, just maybe because I'm a policy person, um, I'm a little biased on this, but just kind of use that policy cycle to approach to anything you're doing in life, all right? What's the idea that I'm trying to work with? What's the problem I'm trying to solve? Ask that question. In, in that, there's a piece of it where you have to do something called stakeholder identification. Now, when you're identifying your stakeholders, when you're identifying your stakeholders, you know who they are. Once you know who they are, you want to find out who are the best playing people in this field, locally, nationally, internationally. And if you, and depending on whatever other extensions there are to your life, for example, if you're a person of faith, you want to also see who are people playing in that field that are people of faith. And that's an example, right? And you want to, one, you want to make sure that as much as possible, you're closely following these people. If you can reach out to them directly, by all means, please reach out. Let them know, bring them in as your mentors, bring them in as your coaches, bring them in as whatever you need to bring them in as. All right? And then that's one piece. Because what now happens, sorry, what now happens when you do that is you not only have access to their years of experience of playing in that field, you also have access to the mistakes that they've made that you need to avoid. You also have access to something that works, that it can, you know, and then you also have access to their network. In one form or another, you also have access to their network directly or indirectly. Now that's one piece. And as you begin to do that, you know, Again, remember that you have to give yourself time because it won't be a walk in the park, all right? For some of them, you might have to try and reach out to them a dozen times. Don't give up, okay? Now, that's one piece. That's one aspect that you can, you can use because at the end of the day, these are the people that eventually will speak your name in the room where you will not be present. They are the ones that will say, this person deserves a seat at the table. Make one for them. Those are the people. There is that. And then two, we live in a world. I love this generation. Because one thing I always tell people is, if you're trying to sell something to an existing platform and nobody is listening to you, social media, create your own platform. The means for that platform is already existence. Create your own platform. 
Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, create your own platform and start to sell yourself to the world. The beautiful thing is you can mention people, you can tag people, you can hashtag and do all of that. Create your own platform. And the more you, you give value to people, the more they want to hear you, the more they want to seek you out. And as you do that, you gradually continue to grow. At some point, you know, it will probably get to someone. Now, that's an informal way of doing this. And there's no, there's no one-way approach. Sorry, Tony, there's actually no one-way approach because different things will right? And there are people who have tried the whole social media piece and they got frustrated out of the whole process, right? There are people who, you know, have tried the whole mentorship piece. In fact, there are a lot of hurting people right now who are like, I can't deal with mentors. They never have time for you. They never do this. They never respond and all of that, right? It's, it's not always true. For me personally, at some point, I had to go and learn what it means to be a good mentee. All right, but that's topic for another day. All right, but it's not always the case, right? So, yes, sometimes you might not all, and sometimes you might have to try and mix and match of those different things. So, create your own platform, bring in, sell it to the world. All right, and then the other thing is, is if there is a way that you can, you know, um, you can, and and that's another thing is that sometimes we're in so much a hurry to make money and make good money and money is good. I love money. I'm a Christian and I'm sorry, please forgive me. If you're not Christian, please forgive me. But I just have to say this. Even the Bible says that money answers all things and that nobody wants to listen to the word. man. it's in the Bible. If you're a Christian, look it up. If you're not, again, my apologies, but that's the extent to which it is important. Right. But that being said, the love of it should not be what is driving you. It's okay to want to make income, but much more than that, seek to make impacts. Mm. Much more than wanting to make income, seek to make impacts. Now, because, and the reason I say that is one of the ways you can also create a fail-safe system for yourself, and which is why I now appreciate what you're doing, Tony, with this, is that within, say, let's say you're in OAU, within the IFE community, you can say, I have identified this problem. And the problem is that people don't like washing beans to make more money. How can we help solve that problem? And then there's that woman who has, you know, has to feed her family by making more money a friend Akara every morning. It is painful that she has to wake up 4 a.m. every day. What can I do to make sure that all she has to do is press a button thing and then voila, beans is ready. And then she can move on to make Ayakara and make more money in so little time, efficient, effective, and make her money. And even much more without losing her fingers to years of washing beans every morning. Mm. I decide to go out there and give that, you know, to some extent, some free services. Mm. Or say you're someone who seeks to, you know, if you're a policy person like me and you're like, I want to change policies. I want to change the narratives right? Mm. You can decide to say within the university system, there are people who've been, say, sexually abused. There are lecturers who try to, you know, get students to sleep with them for, for, for grades. Oh, by the way, you all, I have a story on that one, but anyway, mm. <laughs> you know, and then it's, it's everywhere. I'm sure every lady has a story to tell. Guys, I'm sure you also have a story to tell of how someone tried to steal your girl, but anyway, or they try to get money out of you. 
you know, you can say, okay, within this platform, within, within the school, I will identify those ladies or identify those people. What are the things that we can do to change the narrative? And then you begin to do it and you go into the effect community and you're educating girls within the schools there to say, look, mm. that you don't have money today does not mean that you today just to get by and then, mm. you know, make mistakes later in life. You're providing impacts, mm. right? And as you're providing the impact, you have all these tools, social media and stuff that you can use to bring in other stakeholders, collaborators to say, I am working on this, come and work with me. Mm. Or how can we, you know, create partnership. There are forums, there are programs, there are, you know, summits. Attend those things. This, that's where you'll meet people. There really is no collaboration without networking. Mm. All right. So one of the things of, and that's another key thing, networking. All right. And you can network not by, and please, if you're here and you're one of those people on LinkedIn, you send a request, someone responds, and then the next thing is, stop. <laughs> oh, hey, baby, please stop it. If I'm not just on, LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, please just stop it, okay? Because the truth is, actually in a platform like LinkedIn, you want to be as professional as possible. Nobody's going to take you seriously if you yourself don't take yourself serious, okay? Mm. I'm sorry, I make jokes too. It's fun, it's fun. <laughs> please keep it up. <laughs> so, okay. So, but I don't make sure that you network, Okay. You can't, and when you're networking, just very apt straight to the point. This is who I am. This is what I do. Thanks for the accept. If you're one of those people who like to, um, you know, acknowledge a, a connection request, it's beautiful. By all means, please do it. Thank you for the connection. This is what I do. I look forward to us, you know, collaborating and shared ideas and whatever. All right. But please, these are some of the things that you can do. Nobody's going to, nobody's coming to your rescue to say, oh, this is, um, you have potential, so therefore, come and take. Mm. You will birth that potential and say, this is what I have to offer. You have mm. to at least give something, all right? Mm. And not just give something, and here's where a lot of people sometimes also miss it, is that they do it one day, two days, and then they're like, oh, well, nobody cares. Mm. People have to, they watch you for a while to see mm. how consistent you're going to be. How serious mm. is this person? And the more they watch you and see that you're constantly trying to innovate, you're constantly trying to evolve, there's that word again. The more they see that, then they say, okay, okay, let's listen to what they have to say. Maybe they're really serious about this. All right. And, and when you yourself even begin to do that, even you as the individual, you begin to evolve. Your mind gets mm. clearer. You see things yeah. better. Yeah. And then you begin to see how else you can apply this. And then gradually... One day you go from just trying to help one girl who you found that was maybe raped or sexual abuse to now being someone who is mentoring thousands and hundreds of thousands of girls. Mm. All right. And someone is funding that project so that you can be, you know, that you can be that voice of impact in those people's lives. And mm. guess what? With that, naturally, it's only a matter of time. The money will flow. The income will flow with it. Okay. Wherever impact goes, trust me, income follows. Mm. It might take a while, but when you want to start from the income, if you're not careful, you'll definitely do But when you start from the place of impact, income will follow. So you want to scale, network, mm. find people who are in that field, find ways to collaborate with them, to connect with them. Um, uh, seek to create impact and not just want to make money. All right. And in whatever ways that you can um, 
find opportunities to, you know, um, create your own safe systems and find opportunities to provide free services of those so that you can learn from your mistakes and mm. see how you can do better. Wow. Woo. <laughs> This is so fun. This is so exciting. Thank you so much. We have used up our, our allocated time so we can take um, the forum right now to, okay. to round it up. Yeah. Yeah. We have like five. Okay. We have 20 more minutes because it's an hour, 15 minutes, but I always work with one hour. So that's why. So we're going to round up with this. Um, it's fine. With the if forum. questions, I'm willing to take them. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So please, if you have questions, you can start. Don't share them yet. Let's be done so that you know you don't create distractions. Then would would spare one, two, three questions, you know. So that should just um attend to that. So for the forum now, in the forum, we always discuss what is the one thing we need to commit our efforts, time, and resources and strength to that would tie up all of the things we've learned today. So if I were to, to, to think through what we've learned today, we've learned how to, how to drive the change, put pen to paper. We have learned how um, to create a relationship in multi-stakeholders. We've known how to identify the issues affecting our enabling environment and what we should do about it. We've seen why we need to take up responsibility to innovate for our own problems for us to get a seat at the table. So what is that one thing that ties all of these things we've learned together that as we drop this core, we can start to work on almost immediately. So if, uh, okay, I, I don't know if I can just say one thing, but here's the thing. Um, for one thing, it will be that identify where your greatest area of impact can be. Wow. Brilliant. And get to work. Mm. Whoa. Mm. Identify where your greatest area of impact can be and get to work. And mm. just keep working at it until things actually start to change until that bucket is full and the house is flooded. Hmm. Get to work. Find it and get to work. Wow. Brilliant. Yeah, so one thing. That's one thing. Wow, but that was, that was very short, <laughs> concise, and powerful. So thank you so much. You know, one of the cultures that we, you know, if you've noticed that we really um, support in the program is that we cannot change narratives if we do not master the narratives we already have right? And we need to always share our stories. And I, I really love that you highlighted that, right? So um, as a special gift to us, um, because I know you a little personally now over this short time, I know you're passionate about something else besides policy. And I would like you to share a bit of that story and how can participants in the program get to connect with you? You know, aside all these bang, bang, big English that I've been speaking, <laughs> you know, what are the other things that you're really passionate about that we could connect and establish human connection with you? What other stories are you telling when you're not being the prospect specialist, uh, special prospect development specialist uh, in Canada? Well, so I blog um, and my platform is loudsilences.com. And as the name implies, or my, my catchphrase for that is, on doing the culture of silence, you know, and um, specifically two areas that I, I tend to hone in on is um, sexual abuse and mental health. And um, I'm a survivor myself of sexual abuse. And um, with that, if you've been through any traumatic experience, you know, you know very well that mental health issues come with that. It's, it's a complete package. <laughs> and, but unfortunately, it's two packages that we don't like to talk about, all right? Mm. Um, you 
of cases. Nobody wants to talk about those things. People blame and shame the victim of, you know, helping them. And sometimes, again, parents sometimes can contribute to these things. And so um, for me, I have made it my personal business to force people's hands and minds to think about it and talk about it and, you know, seek to create change about it. And so, yeah, so I write about, um, sometimes I write through stories and sometimes I just share insights on things. Um, so if that's an area for you or you, you're in that space or you know someone, um, please feel free to reach out. Um, I'm more than happy to, I'm also in the process of trying to scale that myself, all right? So, Yay. and um, I don't try to do it alone because honestly, nobody can do any of these things alone. That's where your collaborators come in. So I make efforts and talk with people who are already feeling in that space, people who have organizations. I don't live in Nigeria, so there's really not much I can do in terms of being there physically to get my hands dirty in the trench, but I can support people who are doing that. And I try to do that from bringing them in and having them share their experiences and discussions. And I also try to do that by, you know, in whatever form I can support them and their organizations. Um, I also do that. Um, and sometimes you just have discussions and share ideas where, you know, I, I provide um, um, counsel on maybe something you need to deal with. So yeah, that's what I do on a personal um, notes. And um, Jada thing also is, I, I don't think you know that I didn't tell you this, but I actually coach um, teenagers. Whoa. Yeah, okay. I coach and mentor teenagers. Um, that's mostly faith-based um, within my church mm. actually, but, um, but yeah, I do coach and mentor teenagers. We just completed our summer reading club yesterday. So three books and hopefully they're ready for the school year. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah wow. that's that's kind of what i do wow thank you <laughs> thank you so much mrs anita defoye for such a brilliant memorable session i have been impacted and i cannot thank you enough for honoring this invitation and having you spared one hour do you know guys do you know how much one hour in canadian government time this has been if we we're to analyze how much money this cost right maybe you'll be able to properly appreciate this so i cannot appreciate you enough thank you so much and i'm so glad that we're friends now and i can you know i can always just connect with you so um okay so um you know um miss anita used up her time pretty well so we have uh, 15 minutes but i don't want us to take too much of our time so if anybody has questions we're just going to take two or three questions and then we'll round up for today I'm going to go to the comments section. So now you can start asking questions. I know the comments might have flooded every other person's questions. That's why I said you should not ask it then. But you can ask your questions now and I can check them out. And thank you so much, everyone, for the energy so far. Thank you, right, guys. So I appreciate all the love. I appreciate the, the um, well, I appreciate everything. I'm trying to read some of the comments, but it's coming in so fast. But thank yes. you. So, um, okay, another thing is actually because of, you know, so how we had planned this session is to make it very practical. So it's, it's actually normal if people don't have questions pertaining to this session because we are going, like now, next month, we're going to start an actual policy campaign. My team has been drafting, you know, we've been in ideation stage. What are the pain points we need to address? So that is when we would actually start having more questions. So right now, we're still internalizing all you've said. 
and you know just painting pictures in our mind and thinking right right so so i i i bet you know most people might not have questions but we're still going to give people maybe a five second countdown to see if anybody you know, has questions yeah okay as far as the policy drafting piece goes let me let me share something to encourage you and i and i think i shared with you to briefly um, so recently, um, I, I don't know how many of us are aware, but the Nigerian Economic Summits Group, it's a research um, institute. They worked with um, a number of stakeholders and collaborators, and now we have a robust sports policy. It involves the economics of sports. It involves revamping the sports and industry in Nigeria. It involves sports entertainment. It involves how we can synchronize and synergize um, sports and education in our, um, in our um, what's it called, in our universities and secondary education, even down to primary. It's really robust. I read the policy myself and I provided some feedback. And um, one thing I wanna say is that I, I happen to know two of the people, two of the people who actually worked um, alongside that policy was, were cousins of mine um, um, from two reports. And when I saw that policy come to life um, and it was submitted to the Minister of Sports and Youth Development and the commitment that I see coming from that leadership, again, this is, this is a very good success story of the top, bottom to top approach. And I just thought I'd share that to just encourage your group to say, if they can do that within the sports industry, I know that we can do this. We can do it. There's the law of the first which is that mm. all it takes is for us to get it right one time and we can always replicate, right? Mm. So I am very, very optimistic, haven't seen that spot in policy. Remember that it's one thing to build a policy and it's complete, there's evaluation process in it, there's measurement process in it, right? But it will take time to now implement. The prayer now is that, you know, um, we don't have a government that comes in and stifles that, 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 that effort. But it's also built in a way that promotes P3s, private-public mm. partnership, right? So it will be harder, something like that, when there's private investment involved. Okay? Mm. So I just thought to share that as a means of encouraging us. I encourage you, if you haven't read the, the, the I think the policy was put out for public um, opinion at some point. And I'm not sure I can find out and get back to you, Tony, on where it is. And if anybody's interested, I can share with you. But um, I encourage you to read it. And even your group might maybe learn a thing or two from, from that policy um, um, that was written up for the sports industry. You know, but let's be encouraged, people. Change is coming. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much. Um, you know, there's been so much excitement in the comment section. Um, I don't think we have questions. As I said, um, you know, what you're definitely going to see more of us. Um, we're still going to have a lot of conversations. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for lending your voice to this resource bank for young people who are excited about, you know, their active participation in shaping the narrative of Africa from now into the future. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining in. Um, we cannot we cannot wait to have the next session on so this is the final session for series three the case we're really excited to to talk so next week um, we're going to start talking to investors so we've talked to people in government uh, we had um, Mr. Ayokunu who works with the vice president yesterday 
So now we've had someone who works with the Canadian government uh, in Saskatchewan. So it's really exciting. Next week, we're going to talk to investors. Why don't they give us money? So it's going to be really... Sorry. Okay, yes. I'm sorry about that mix-up. Yes, Saskatchewan government. It's a big deal here. So please, the feds to the province, it's a big deal. So we have to get it right. <laughs> okay, okay. So please, province people, listen to me. Yeah, so province people listening to me in the future or right now, forgive that error. Um, we're still learning. <laughs> so thank you so much once again. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, someone asked for my social media handle, so I'm just going to okay. put that. Is that okay? Yes, please. Um, just put that in the okay. comment section. Um, okay. Hey, awesome. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate being here. Thanks again to you for the opportunity. All right, awesome. Do take care, man. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye.